Hello, this is Pastor Pete Beck III with LifeNet in Burlington, North Carolina. Welcome to today's podcast, which is about the amazing new covenant and what it means to live free in the Spirit. This podcast is entitled Understanding What It Means to Live by Grace. What Christ accomplished through his sacrificial death and resurrection affects our entire being, spirit, soul, and body. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 He alone was able to orchestrate this great salvation, Hebrews 2.3, being the unique God-man born of the Virgin Mary by the operation of God's Holy Spirit in her life. Luke 1.30-35 Jesus lived a perfect life of dedication and obedience to his Heavenly Father, which culminated on the cross where he voluntarily shed his blood as God's holy lamb in order to provide forgiveness of sins and reconciliation to the Father. When he rose from the dead, he was designated the Son of God, in power, Romans 1.4, the all-powerful messianic King and Lord who will one day return to planet Earth to judge the living and the dead as the, design, as the divine Son of Man, Daniel 7.13 and 14. Jesus, the fusion of the eternal with the temporal. God is not limited by any created dimension. However, God assigned to us to live in a world fenced in by the dimensions of space and time. Those who put their faith and allegiance in Christ experience the new birth and also live in another reality, the eternal spiritual realm. Human beings, by virtue of our tripartite nature, spirit, soul, and body, are uniquely and amazingly fitted to interface with both the material world and the spiritual one. To God, all things are present now. His revealed name given to Moses is the I Am. Jesus, the second person of the Godhead who has existed from all eternity as the Logos, John 1, 1, in obedience to his Father's will, entered into our time-space continuum as a human being through a miraculous fusion of the eternal and the temporal inside Mary's womb. He was indeed an alien, being the only person who is truly God and truly man, the monogenes, or only begotten Son of God. The truth of the Incarnation has been held fast by the Church since its inception and is clearly stated in Scripture. Jesus understood that his origin was and is divine and that he has always existed. This is shown in John 1.14, John 8.23, and John 8.56-58. In Jesus the Messiah, the eternal I am became 
a human being. As a human being, he was subject to the dimensions of time and space. He entered the world as a baby and grew and developed into a man. The mystery of the incarnation produced a person who was and is truly human and truly God, thus elevating humanity beyond comprehension. Working out what is within. Hebrews 5, 7 through 10 reads, In the days of his flesh, he, Jesus, offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his piety. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation, being designated by God as a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. When Jesus, the almighty and perfect son of the Father, entered the human experience, he was responsible to live out his inward and spiritual reality and identity in a temporal body. The spiritual side of our being was always meant to be the core from which we live and derive our identities to. Adam forfeited that, plunging the world into chaos. Against all odds, Jesus came to show us that kind of life and to make it possible for us to live out of a redeemed spiritual identity too. Because of his divine birth and origin, he did not inherit a sin nature from Adam as we do. There was nothing in Jesus that was out of step with the Holy Spirit. It was completely natural for him to hear his father's voice, see what his father was doing, and follow his father's lead without hindrance. John 8:28 says, Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, or just I am, and I do nothing by my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. John 6:38 confirms this. The eternally perfect Logos of God became an historically perfect human being over time through continued obedience to his Father. He worked out in his life that which was eternally true about him on the inside. He had to make choices along the way to obey his Father, even when it cost him supremely. He learned obedience from the things he suffered as he lived out his union with his Father. Philippians 2, 5 through 8 reads, Having this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, 
although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bond servant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This gives us a key to understanding how our own sanctification or spiritual transformation takes place. In this case, I use these words to describe the process of learning obedience to God over a lifetime through which the Holy Spirit transforms our character and behavior to match what Christ already accomplished for us through his death and resurrection. I know that is a mouthful, but it is worth meditating upon. You may wish to think about that for a while. By placing us in a universe governed by time and space, God requires us to believe and to live by faith in his promises, obey the Holy Spirit, treasure the fear of the Lord, and rely on the transforming work of grace. Philippians 2, 12 and 13 reads, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work or do for his good pleasure. Living by grace is a cooperative effort between us and God in which we too learn to live out what is true spiritually on the inside through the new birth. Jesus the Messiah did the hard lifting at Calvary. However, the salvation he won for us must be actively worked out in our personal histories through belief in the truth and cooperation with the indwelling Holy Spirit. God is not content to merely forgive us. The Spirit is committed to making what is true spiritually and eternally become our experience and history. We will be judged and rewarded on how well we live out our new inward reality in Christ. Titus 2, 11 through 14. This does not mean that we save ourselves by works. Our justification or being made right with God will be the subject of the fourth installment in this series. Justification is what made us children of God, past tense. It was entirely Christ's work. None of us can redeem ourselves. Our glorification at the resurrection will also be Christ's work. None of us can raise ourselves from the dead. Our sanctification or transformation, however, is an ongoing partnership with the Holy Spirit for which we are accountable.
to God. 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15. Conclusion. Legalism teaches us that we must earn God's blessings and favor by our obedience to his commands. Failure to do so will result in our bringing upon ourselves the curses associated with disobedience. Everything is on us, and we always fail miserably because no one can keep the law. Its whole purpose was to reveal our desperate need for a Savior. Galatians 3, 19 through 22 says this perfectly. I'll leave you to read that on your own. The new covenant teaches us that Christ perfectly obeyed the law and paid in advance the penalty for our failure to measure up. When we put our faith and allegiance in Christ, we are credited with the benefits of his obedience and released from the just penalty of our disobedience. Through the new birth, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside us, regenerating our spirits and living the Christ life through us. We also are given the promise of one day being raised from the dead as the final installment on this great salvation. Hallelujah. In the meantime, we have the opportunity to glorify God by cooperating with the Holy Spirit in the transformation process, whereby we learn to obey God from the heart. We will be rewarded according to how effectively We live out by faith the truth of our new inward identity with Christ and his spirit. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. God has given us the responsibility to live by grace in a dynamic cooperation between us and the Holy Spirit as we steadfastly hold on to the truth of God's word.